So Pastor Matt called me um, a while back and asked me to share in this session. And he said the theme was going to be on the church and he was going to assign topics to the morning speakers. And he asked me to speak on the subject of raising up biblically qualified leaders. And so many of you know that I've been pastoring Living Word Church in Homa. And uh, I just want to stop for a moment and say that I would like to honor Pastor Renee and Vicki Monet. They are here. <laughs> Thankful for their life. And uh, it is the honor and joy of my wife and I's life to be able to pastor the church that they founded in 1979 in their living room. And God bless them and bless their faithfulness. And um, the longer that I am in ministry, the longer I realize that the things that they told us before they left were all true. <laughs> it really is true. And you don't really, you don't know a lot to you realize you don't know a lot. And um, then you start to figure it out and God graces you anyway and you keep learning lessons. And, but I'm thankful for their life. And um, so he told me, he said, hey, I want you to speak on the subject of raising up biblically qualified leaders. And, and I have just recently installed uh, seven lay elders at Living Word Church. And I started with 20 men that I felt like could potentially have a call to meet the qualification of elders uh, that you see in 1 Timothy and in Titus. And I just installed them two weeks ago. So clearly I'm an expert now. <laughs> so I was thinking, Matt, thank you for having me come and share on this subject that I'm clearly the most qualified person in the room to, to talk about this. So I just want you to know on, 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 at the outset of this, of this message, I am not speaking from a position of expertise. Not at all. I, it could be better described as desperate dependence on the Lord for his wisdom and direction. And that should be the way in which we live all of our lives as leaders. Desperate dependence on his wisdom and direction. But when we're talking about the subject of leaders and raising up leaders, I do believe that the greatest challenge for the church today is a leadership challenge. One of the greatest challenges the church faces today is a lack of biblical leadership. And, and we've heard it over and over again, whether it's from Pastor Matt Bell or, 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 or Pastor Dan or, or any of the other speakers that have spoken. We need to make disciples. We need to raise up leaders. And there is such a lack of biblical leadership in the world today, in the church today. In, in the church, and we've talked about this in the last couple of days, the church has been hijacked by pragmatic approaches to ministry. What is pragmatism? Pragmatism is the belief system that says that if it works, then it's right. If it works, then it's truth. If it gets results, then it is what is good and it is true, and this is the way in which we should do it if it works. That's the way of the world. That's the way of business. It's a dollar and cents mindset. It is, if it, if it gets people in the building, in the Best Buy, in the grocery store, in, if it gets us on traffic on Amazon, if it works, then it is true and it is right. And that mindset, that pragmatist mindset has permeated the church for decades now. For decades. And so as a result, whatever it takes to keep people in the seats and keep people opening their wallets, then that's what we want to do. And as a result, people don't want to hear. If you put your finger in the wind as a pastor, as a minister, and as a leader, and you start trying to test the wind of the culture, the world, unbelievers, do not want to hear an hour-long exposition of the Gospel of John. 
They don't want to hear the Bible. But the job of a pastor is not to preach to the world. The job of a pastor is to teach the sheep, is to feed the flock of God, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So, so as a result of that, what happens is we have weak leaders, we have weak churches, don't know how to raise up biblical leaders. And so this is what I have endeavored to do is, is I want to be a leader that raises up biblical leaders. But what happens is, is, is in this culture, this pragmatist culture, biblical fidelity is sacrificed on the altar of cultural relevance. And that is, that's where we're at. And this kind of environment only underscores the great need to raise up biblically qualified leaders. And if we are going to have continued gospel impact in the communities that the Lord has called us to, we are going to have to raise up a different kind of leader than the culturally driven, results-focused, leadership guru, I'm going to say it, Craig Groeschel, leadership guru type a model. I'm sorry if he's your favorite leadership guru. That's not the model that's going to build the church and save the lost. What is necessary? So here's what I want to tell you. I'm not going to exposit a section of scripture. I'm not, here to, I'm not here to do that in this section, in this talk here. I'm not going to have you open to a section and kind of build and exposit from a section. I'm just going to tell you what I have endeavored to do since I've been at Living Word. And this has been the conviction going in. This is, by God's grace, will be my conviction as I move forward. What is necessary to raise up biblically qualified leaders? That is the question I want to try to answer. Three thoughts, three simple thoughts I want to unpack here. The first one would be this. We must recognize that it is a part of our call. You must recognize that as a leader, as a pastor, a missionary, as someone called to lead God's people, to lead ministries, it is a part of your call. Look at what Titus 1.5 says. Paul tells Titus, he says, this is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order. And how are things going to be put into order? Appoint elders in every town that I directed you. And that's just one section of scripture there in Titus. You could look at Timothy. You could look at other sections of, of text in the, in, the, in, the, in the book of Acts. You can see where Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders. It is this call to raise up elders, to raise up leaders, biblically qualified leaders and elders. And I, I don't just believe that, that what I want to talk about here is limited to just elders and, and deacons within the church, but leaders, leaders, elders, deacons, and, and leaders in ministry. You know, the truth is, is, is how often do we, as ministry leaders, pastors, leaders, feel that we are leading the ministry by ourselves? How often does that happen? Very often, where we feel that burden. Is there anybody here that understands the burden that I carry? Is there anybody uh, in the gathering, in my church, that gets it, that understands, that knows my heart? Because how often are we misunderstood? How often are our motives judged? How often do we make decisions and people, people, people judge us wrongly? And we, we, we just think, Lord, is there anybody that gets it, that understands? There's an account of the nation of Israel and Moses in Numbers 11 that I believe speaks to this necessity. And the nation of Israel, just like humanity, just like us, we're a nation of complainers. I think it's endemic to the human race that we, we, don't, we, we don't like uh, things that we don't like. And, and we tend to complain. 
And I think that if we would have been like the nation, of, we would have been like the nation of Israel. We often we often look at the Old Testament, and we look at the story of the nation of Israel, and we judge them too quickly. Because I don't think that we would like manna every day for 40 years, would we? I mean, you can fry it, you can get Cajun deep fry it, you can saute it, you can you can slap some butter on it. I mean, you can you can you can, you, you, you can try to uh, uh, fix it up and make it palatable and nice. But at the end of the day, you want some meat, don't you? Pastor Renee might invite you to his, 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 his acres in the back of his house there and, and help you uh, find a deer to shoot. You want some meat. And the nation of Israel is complaining, we want meat. We are tired. We want the garlics and leeks and onions, and we want meat. And listen to Moses. Listen to what he says, Numbers 11. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you dealt ill with your servants? Why have I not found favor in your sight that, that you lay this, the burden of this people on me? Did I conceive this people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give to their fathers? Hey, this is your thing, God. It's not my thing. These are not my people. These are your people. Where am I to get meat to give to all this people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that they may eat. I am not able to carry all this people. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, then just kill me at once. (laughs) Have you thought that in ministry yet? (laughs) If I find favor in your sight that I may not see my wretchedness. What was the Lord's solution? What was the Lord's solution to that? Look back at the text, Numbers 11. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand there with you, and I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them, and they will bear the burden of the people with you so that you will not bear it by yourself. Notice, notice God didn't tell Moses, hey, I'm going to go find the people for you, and I'm going to set them apart. He says, no, Moses, you go find the people, and you set them apart, the ones that are clearly, obviously, the ones that God, that, 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 that have risen to the surface, that, that are showing those leadership qualities. You bring them to the tent of meeting, and then listen to what the Lord says. I'm going to take the spirit that is on you and put it on them. This is our call. We take the people and the leaders, the elders, the deacons, the leaders. We bring them to the tent of meeting and we say, God, God, we can't we can't convince these people to follow us. We can't convince them to do this. Lord, you have to put the spirit you place on us, on them. You have to take the burden of our heart and put it on them. It is our call. It is our responsibility. We are called to do that. And this is what I endeavored to do for, for with, these, with these brothers. I started with 20. And I took a book called Biblical Eldership. A really small book. It was published by Nine Marks. A little small book. I said, hey, I think you might be called to be an elder in the life of this church. Would, would, you, like to, would you like to read that book? Some of them read it and said, no. <laughs> Got to the part where it said that you're going to be judged more strictly. Not many of you should be, should be teachers. They realized, okay, this is not for me. And we went from 20. Some of them just left the church altogether. <laughs> well, we got to seven. And what I did was I spent 14 months 
with these brothers and just met once a month and I just took my heart and I asked the Lord God, I said, God, would you take what you've placed in my heart and impart it into these men? Because the truth is, is that I cannot do this on my own. I've prayed the prayer of Moses. I haven't been suicidal, but I've prayed the prayer of Moses. I've said, God, I cannot do this on my own. I need people that will come alongside me, and I have had to, through tears and through pain, say, God, I'm going to persevere and pour into these men, into these leaders, so that, so that we can carry the burden together. Carry the burden together. So, so the first element that we must understand is it is our call to set aside the leaders. But the Lord is the one who will put our heart and our burden in them. So I know it's, it's so much easier just to do it on your own, though. It's a lot less risky. You add people in, it gets a little more complicated. You add people into the room, there's more opinions. That's not always easy. You know, I'm just like you. I like to do things my way. I like to make decisions because I think my decisions are the best. Am I the only one who thinks that way? I think my decisions are the best. But then you get somebody comes in the room and they have different ideas. And so then there could be a potential for conflict. So I understand that it's not easy to bring more people into the room, into the conversation. But it is our call because it truly is the biblical model, a plurality of elders is the biblical model where we lead God's people together. We carry the burden together for so, because we are so much better together than we are all alone. So the first thing is to recognize it's, it's our call. Secondly, here this morning, we must lead with biblical convictions. This is what I have endeavored to do. I've endeavored to look at the text. I've endeavored to look at pastoral ministry. I've endeavored to look at what my call is based upon what God's word says. And I've said, God, I am going to lead with biblical biblical convictions. I'm not going to stick my finger in the wind. I'm not going to follow cultural trends. I'm going to lead with biblical convictions. You know, Alexander Hamilton, I don't know if he actually said this. Uh, Google said he may not have said it. But it, it is said to have been said possibly by Alexander Hamilton. If, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. Pastors and Christian leaders are falling today at an alarming rate. And I'm not talking about sexual sin. That, that has always been a problem. I'm talking about leaders that have been falling for the unbiblical ideologies of the world. I mean, it's everywhere. You, you, just, you just see it, leader after leader, pastor after pastor. You start hearing sermons and messages, and they're falling for the biblical, for the worldly, for worldly ideologies. They're abandoning biblical fidelity. They're abandoning the idea of what Pastor Matt was talking about, about, about the, the word of God being the center of what the church gathers around, the word of God being open, being read, being preached, the gathering of the saints, and, 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 and leaders are falling by the droves, pastors giving up on what God's word says is the call of the church. 2 Corinthians 10 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. What is our job as Christian leaders today? Our job is to destroy 
argument and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and to take captive every thought to obey Christ. Where do we get the knowledge of God today? We get it from his word. There is the general revelation of God we see in creation. God clearly has revealed himself to us in creation. Humanity can know, the Bible says in Psalms, only a fool will say in his heart there is no God. But God has given special revelation in his son, but through his word. And so what does it say there in 2 Corinthians? Our job is it's to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, which is the word of God revealed to us. And so that is our job. And so we must lead with biblical convictions. We must lead with our Bibles open. We must lead with our Bibles open. You know, anyone, anyone can go the way of the world. It's not hard to go the way of a pragmatic approach to ministry. That's easy to do that because it's what's popular. It it, it doesn't ruffle feathers. You know, I, I've come to find out that the, the, the more you open the Bible, the more you read it, the, the, more, you make, you, the more you try to lead with biblical, biblical convictions, the more that you cause people to think. And then when people start to think, then they have to start making decisions about whether they really believe what the Bible says. And so then they start making choices. Well, I don't know if I want to go to that church if they open the Bible as much as they do. I don't know if I want to sit there and have that guy tell me that, that, that homosexuality is wrong. Do you remember I talked to you on Sunday night about the bill in Canada, Bill C-4, that pastors, Christian leaders could potentially go up to jail for five years now? It's against the law to, 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 to counsel against homosexuality in Canada now? So, so I simply did what other pastors around the world did on January 16th. I stood up and, and I, I, I defined the biblical view of marriage and sexuality and gender. And that service, first-time visitor, I don't think she's going to come back next Sunday. She came. I, I was luckily able to sneak out the back real quick. So uh, my executive pastor, Matt Carnes, got to be the one to field her concern. She says, why, why are y'all hating on gays? Why are you hating? I mean, she didn't even hear my whole message. It doesn't matter. But when you leave with biblical convictions, people start making choices. So it doesn't take courage to go the way of the world. And it doesn't take courage of conviction to peddle a message that the world is not disturbed by. It doesn't take courage of conviction to peddle a message the world isn't disturbed by. You know our message should disturb the world. It should disturb the world. And it should should disturb the life of the Christian as well. The word of God should be pressed into our hearts. And so we must lead. If we are going to raise up biblically qualified leaders, we must lead with biblical convictions. And what I am endeavoring to do in the realm of influence that God has given me is to lead with biblical convictions. My conviction is that we need more Bible, not less. We need more biblical messages, not less. We don't need talks or group discussions. We need biblical sermons. Sermons. The genuine believer needs leaders and shepherds that will help them in their resolve to stand for what they know is right. When I think about the congregation that the Lord has given to me to shepherd, I I look out at them and I think, God, they need help. They need help from their shepherd because they, the genuine believer, knows what is true and what is right, but the world is pressing in on them in any way in which they can, 
The world's ideologies is, uh, are pressing in, in the, on their minds and they are having a hard time standing and they need their leaders to stand in the pulpits and to open the word of God and say this is true and this is right and this is the way in which a Christian is called to lead and to live. They need their pastors to protect them through biblical preaching and biblical convictions. And this is what is the result of this. This is what will happen. It will happen. This is what will happen. Leaders who lead with uncompromising biblical convictions will produce leaders who lead with uncompromising biblical convictions. This is why it is necessary if we will raise up biblically qualified leaders that we must lead with biblically qualified convictions. Now I've got a warning. It didn't happen the way in which we would like it to happen. Have you ever, you ever watched those commercials on TV? They're advertising pills that you can take that will help the sickness that you have, whatever the sickness might be. And they tell you, take this pill. It's going to cure whatever you got going on. And they talk about all the good things. And then the last 10 seconds, they tell you, you might get diarrhea. You, 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 you might get uh, um, uh, uh, migraines. Uh, and you, 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 you might even die. You know the warning label? Well, I, I've, I've got a warning for you. Here's a warning label of leading with biblical convictions. This is what might happen. I'm not saying this, I'm clearly not saying this from personal experience. Leaders will leave you. You will be misunderstood. You will be labeled. You ever been labeled before? Do you, don't, don't you love that, being labeled? Something that you're not. And don't you love it whenever a, a leader leaves you, they label you and they leave you, or, or just a church member labels you and leaves you, and they never even come and talk to you about the label that, that, that they labeled you with? So this is the warning. Leave with biblical convictions. You, leaders will leave you. You'll be, you'll be misunderstood. You'll be labeled. People will talk about you. Your church, your ministry might shrink. Your budget might shrink. Your friend circles might shrink. So, so yes, I believe this is necessary. If we're going to raise up biblical leaders, we must know that it is our call. And we must lead with biblical convictions. Because no leader is worthy of being raised up unless there are a leader that leads with biblical convictions. So we must lead that way. But there, there is a strong warning that these things, not, not everyone wants that direction. In a, in, in, a world, in a world that doesn't tolerate biblical truth, not even, not even Christians, not all Christians want that. But let me help you. The Apostle Paul helps us all with some perspective when we are dealing with this. Look at 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 1. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But, but with me, it, it, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by, or, by, or by any human court. Yeah, I got the labels. You know, we all get the labels. We all get the criticism. We all get people that don't like the way in which we lead when we try to lead with biblical convictions. Yes, yes. And Paul is saying, it, with me, it's a very small thing that you should leave me, judge me, label me, criticize me uh, uh, in the court of human opinion. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I'm not even aware of anything against myself. I think my opinions are right, but I am thereby, I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. 
Now, before you, you get a little happy about that, because, you know, you see the people that wear the T-shirts, you, you can't judge me, it's the Lord that judges me. They have no idea what that actually means. It is the Lord who judges me should give us all the motivation we need to lead with biblical convictions because one day we will stand before the Lord who is the Lord and the judge of our life and his church. And he has called us as shepherds in particular, shepherds of his church, and he has said to us, he has given us responsibility and charge over his people. And one day we will stand before him and give an account for the way in which we have led his church. So I don't care what so-and-so and and -and so-and-so says about my leadership and and my labels and, and, and my direction that I'm going. If I am convinced through scripture that this is the direction God has called me as a leader, God, I am trusting that into your hands because one day I will stand before you and I must and I must give an account before the Lord of the church the one who died for the church it's the Lord who will judge us so we must not lead with a sense of, of superiority we must lead with a sense of humility before the Lord desperately depending on him and saying God I want to lead in the way that pleases you not in the way that pleases man So what is necessary to raise up biblically qualified leaders? I I, I believe, firstly, we must recognize it's our call. Secondly, we must lead with biblical convictions. And lastly, this morning, we must stay patient and allow the word to do its work. Stay patient. Patience is the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit you see in Galatians 5. It's a fruit of the Spirit's work in our life, but patience does not often come easy for us in ministry work. When it comes to raising up leaders, how often do we ask this question? Why don't they get it yet? You think by now, God, I thought by now people would understand and they would get it. They would have come along. I thought the church would get it, would understand at this point what we're trying to do and what we're about. But it's going to take patience. And you know what's sad, and, and you know, again I, again, I am not speaking from a position of being an expert about anything other than desperate dependence on the, on the Lord, but this is what I've experienced in the four short years I've been there. People we invest in don't stick around long enough to see the fruit of the Lord's work. And it's painful. Is that not painful in your ministry and in your church? You think, man, if they would have just waited a little while longer, they would have seen the fruit of the Lord's work and what he's doing in his church. But what I know is true is that not everyone who is with you now will be with you later. So I want to encourage you with this. God will do his pruning. Not everyone who is with you now is supposed to be with you later. God will prune. God will, God will raise up new leaders. And God will move leaders on to other places. And you know, one of the things that I have to always remember is that whenever my wife and I, before we came to Living Word Church and 2009, we were a part of another church. And I remember leaving that church. It was one of the most painful experiences of our life. We'd, only, we'd been married for six years, and we had to leave. And, and I knew that Living Word was a church that Pastor Randy preached with biblical convictions. He opened the Word of God, and he preached it, and he was faithful, and he built a church that was founded on the Word of God. And I knew that that was a reputation that I wanted to put my family under. And so we left the church, and it was hard. It was painful. The relationships still ultimately are not completely healed even to this day. And that was many, many, it was over a decade ago. 
So I know that God moves people on. I would have never imagined I would have become the pastor at Living Word Church if they would have told me in 09 when I showed up. God will move people. And when we think, sometimes, I, Pastor Renee told me this. I'll never forget this advice. Well, I, actually, I did forget it for a little while <laughs> until just recently when we've been losing some leaders. But I remember Pastor Renee told me this. You don't want to fight against God. You don't want to fight against God, and you want to bless those that leave. And so sometimes we can find ourselves fighting against the Lord's pruning work. And we must stay patient and realize that this is his church and he is going to raise up the leaders that he has called to work together with you. And he's going to take your heart and put it in their heart. And we must allow the word to do its work. Pruning will produce future growth, but the pruning is very painful. God wants to make room for one of the 70 who will carry the burden with you because they understand your heart and the convictions of the word of God that are on your life. John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. The word will do its work, and the word will prune, and it will cut away. The word of God is powerful. The writer of Hebrews tells us that the word of God is alive and it's active. The prophet Isaiah tells us that God's word will not return void. So we must recognize it as our call to raise up biblically qualified leaders. And we must, we must lead with biblical convictions, but we also must be patient and allow this powerful, alive word of God that will not return void to do its work in the life of the people that we are called to lead, that it will do its work, it will prune, it will grow, it will produce fruit. So, so, so I wasn't going to use this as an example, but I took it out of my notes, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it anyway. I, it's an, you know, I, I have put all of my hope, or, or you could say it this way, I've put all of my chips. Can I say that? I've put all of my chips over onto, I'm placing all of my bets, placing all of my weight, and I ain't got much of it, but I'm throwing everything I got over onto the power of the word of God. I put all of it over onto the power of the word of God to do what? To shape my heart, to transform my mind, and to do the same in the lives of those that God has called me to lead. And I believe that God will shine his light on those who will carry that burden with me. That's my conviction. I want to recommend a book to you. It's a book written by a man named Aaron Minikoff. It's a book called Character Matters. Write that down. Character Matters. Aaron Minikoff. Small book. It will be a blessing to you in your life and your ministry. He says this. From the book, he says, criticism rings louder and longer in our ear than words of encouragement do. Criticism rings louder and longer in our ear than words of encouragement do. How many of you, after the sermon, pastor, you get the great job, so good, thank you for your faithfulness, oh, that word meant so much to me, you must have been reading my mail, oh, so good, and then you get the one person who comes up and criticizes the text message, the email, and it rings louder and longer in our ears. But our job is to be patient. 
in all of our different journeys and assignments. The enemy wants to use criticism from others as a part of his sinister plan to get us to give up on our call. The enemy has a sinister plan, and his plan is to get us to give up. Just to give up and to to quit being patient, to quit allowing the word to do its work and to throw in the towel and to say it's not worth it. I loved what Pastor Matt said last night. He gave us four reasons last night why we should not give up on the church. I believe it was so good, but we're so often set off track by so many small things. And this call of raising up leaders, if, this, if the church will be all that it is called to be, it will be because God has used us to raise up biblically qualified leaders. And so we must stay faithful to the call. So in, in, in all of our different journeys and assignments that God has given us, do not, we must not allow the enemy to sidetrack us from the faithfulness that we are called to. We must, we must not give in to his sinister plan. He is a deceiver. He is a schemer. He is a liar. So if you have been listening to his lies, if you've been opening your ears long to his lies, I would encourage you to cast down those thoughts, to to, to close those lies, to cut off the opportunities and the avenues for those lies to come into your life, to listen to the word of the Lord. Remember the call. Do you remember the call? You remember the time and the moment that God called you? Stay faithful. I, I end with this, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your men and women that you've set apart and that you've called. God, it is our call to make disciples, but not just to make disciples, but to make Disciples that become leaders who make disciples. And Lord, I pray that you would help us in that call, that we would see it, first of all, as our call, that it's not somebody else that is going to do it, Lord, it's us. You've called us to raise up leaders. And help us to do that with biblical conviction, that we would not adopt the world's perspective of leadership, but that we would lead according to the perspective of God's word and what it means to be a biblical leader. And I pray that we would not give up on that call. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.